And uh, back here with In Your Corner, you want to reach out, 1-855-821-5900, help at inyourcorner.ca. Fellas, good to have you uh, back uh, here on the show, James Fireman and, of course, Eventu Markin. And uh, we're right back at it. Lots of stuff to cover on the show today. I know you got about a uh, a million week that was cases you want to talk about, or at least three. So you want to kick it off there, pal? Absolutely, John. Great to be here. And, you know, believe it or not, I, I was away overseas for the last uh, couple of weeks. But the reason I have uh, quite a few weeks, uh, sorry, week that was, is because people, of, of course, emailed me uh, and yep. I can't help but respond. And, you know, what stood out is that one of the individuals I was corresponding with uh, actually has a lawyer. And their complaint, or at least the reason they were reaching out to me is because they weren't able to get a hold of their lawyer. And here I am overseas and I am answering and all these all questions and emails and, and <laughs> nice. you know, I actually had a phone call as well. I had to, of course, make sure that my wife didn't know about that. But, right. you know, it, I, I just, it, it bothers me to no end when people are contacting me and I'm sure James feels the same way. And, you know, people are injured or they're dealing with a long-term disability claim and they may have a lawyer, but they can't get a hold of their lawyer. Well, let me tell you this. If you cannot get a hold of your lawyer repeatedly, you're leaving voicemails and emails and you simply can't get anyone, that is a problem. Now, what do you do about that problem? I think you have to make sure that your lawyer understands that you're expecting them to respond back in a timely manner. Right. It doesn't have to be the way I am. I'm not going to, you know, not every lawyer is going to respond back to you in two minutes after you email them, but it's completely unacceptable for people to have to chase their lawyers. And it doesn't matter if it's a personal injury lawyer or a family lawyer or a real estate lawyer, you should not have to chase your lawyer down. They should be able to respond to you in a timely manner. So with that in mind, uh, let, me, let me read out to you one of those emails that I actually got uh, while I was away and have been corresponding with this individual. So here's the email. I have been on long-term disability after suffering a broken neck, traumatic brain injury, and many physical symptoms in March of 2018. I am still in the first two years of my own occupation for return to work. And that goes until July 2020. I'm no longer getting any treatments and I feel that I'm stagnating. I thought I might try going back to work. I was recruited and accepted into a position which is too good to refuse. However, I do not actually feel that I can do the job 100% to the expectation of my employer, but as I said, it was too good to refuse. At this point, I am afraid and wondering if I should actually start the position, which is set to start next Monday, because if I start the job and I can't do it, I am concerned uh, whether or not I'll be able to go back on LTD. Can right. you please help clarify this for me as the adjuster is always very vague? Not surprising that the adjuster is very vague. Uh, so here's the answer, and this is the answer that I gave this individual. Uh, the vast majority of LTD policies, certainly the ones that I have seen, have a recurrence clause, which means that if you try to go back to work, which is something James and I talk about all the time, if you think you're able to go back to work, if you have your doctor's blessing, try to go back to work, whether it's your position, another position, whatever. If you can get back to work, get back to work. If you cannot go back to work, meaning you tried and you failed, make sure that's documented by the employer, by your doctors, and then contact your LTD insurance company as soon as possible. And generally, your uh, LTD policies out there have this recurrence clause that says uh, that if within a certain amount of time, let's say six months, that's usually what I see, you've tried to go back to work and you failed you will go back on claim. You don't have to wait that elimination period, right. which is a period of time you have to wait before you get accepted into LTD to get payments, monthly payments. So, you know, again, this individual here should not be afraid to try to go to this job, uh, to try it out, especially if it's too good to be true. 
and they should have no worry. All that said, all that said, something that people need to understand, despite everything I have just said, insurance companies will often reject your um, attempt to go back on, on the LTD claim. That's not to say that you should not be able to go back on claim, but insurance companies may put up a fight. And if that happens, of course, you reach out to us and we can work towards fixing that. But very important for you to understand, if you can go back to work and you think you can, and your doctors say that you can, you should try. I agree with everything Savan said, which is always the telltale sign that I have something that I want to add. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In this case, one thing I did not hear when you were reading the email is whether or not this person's doctor has mentioned one way or the other whether they feel this person can return to work. And to me, that is the critical variable. If you don't have the support of your doctor to return to work, your insurance company, if you fail to return to work, your insurance company will cut off your benefits in those circumstances if you don't have something from your doctor saying you can give it a try. And then they'll say that you were unreasonable in trying to go back and you've made it worse and that's on you. So be careful. Yes, go back to work if you feel you can and you have your doctor's support in doing so, but not until then. Make sure you dot your I's, cross your T's, umlauts and what have you before you go back to work. If they, if you end up failing at the attempt, even though you already got doctor approval and they don't put you back on LTD, are they not breaching their own policy? Of course. Yeah, that's our position. But yes, but even so, they know that most people will not challenge that. That's just the way that it goes. (laughs) And so if you challenge them, then yeah, you're going to have a very strong argument if you've attempted to go back to work, but legitimately cannot do so. They will cut you off and you'll have a good argument that they did so improperly and that they're um, breaching their own contract. But- most people will not get to that step where they're actually challenging because they don't call a lawyer and they don't get the proper advice. Nice. You know, John, and more to the point, uh, if you've tried to go back to work, I agree with James, of course, uh, you know, with your doctor's blessing, and, and, and you fail in that attempt, I think it gives you a lot more credibility when we start that legal claim. And I actually think there is tremendous amount of pressure that can get built up against the insurance company to force them to the table to resolve your claim. I have yet to have any file, any claim that I've handled where a person has tried to go back to work, failed, that failure had been documented, so it was a good faith attempt to go back to work with the doctor's blessing. Insurance company cuts the person off. I have yet to have a situation where the insurance company did not subsequently come to the table and offer a great deal of money, relatively speaking, depending on the claim, to settle a claim of that nature because the person trying to go back to work simply has credibility. 1-855-821-5900, one 821 5900 the number to reach out. You want to send along an email that is uh, quite simply help at inyourcorner.ca. And a reminder, Global TV show happens in your corner Sundays at 8.30. On, uh, on Global, lots more week there was, and your email's coming up here on In Your Corner, Global News Radio. To reach out, really simple, get a hold of James or Savannah, member of the team, one 821 5900 help at inyourcorner.ca if you have any other questions. Uh, when the show is not on, mydisabilityquestions.com is a good place to start for that uh, as well. Before we get on to, uh, to your emails and our top five list for the day, you got to something else you want to talk about, right, Savannah? Yeah, he, yep. here's a question that was posted on one of our websites, mydisabilityquestions.com. This came from Michelle in Toronto, and here's what she writes. My husband was diagnosed with non-small cell lung cancer in June 2017. We had short-term disability and now LTD. He also receives CPP disability. Due to the spinal tumor and radiation, he's unable to work. Recently, we found out that the cancer has, had returned back uh, and, and spread to the neck. He has had radiations again. The insurance company 
representative called to check on his progress and inform us that we can take a lump sum payment or continue to receive payments uh, until a certain date, at which time he will be cut off. Is there anything that we can do? Uh, Now, John, as a sidebar, I know a lot about non-small cell lung cancer. My my mother actually Mm -hmm. passed away from that. Uh, So I, I can tell you that I know firsthand how difficult that illness is. And, uh, you know, again, th- this makes me extremely angry to, to, to see somebody in this situation and how the insurance company is treating them. So here's what the insurance company is saying. And I get this at least once or twice a week, people contacting me, telling me that they've been offered buyouts by long-term disability insurance companies. What is a buyout? Uh, imagine that you are on claim getting long-term disability and the insurance company makes a calculation that it's worthwhile making you an offer, giving you a certain amount of money that will represent a certain amount of payments, a certain amount of payments into the future. So let's say you are 50 years old, you're getting $1,000 a month, that's $12,000 a year. Uh, If you were to continue being on LTD until age 65, that's $12,000 a year times the next 15 years. Imagine the insurance company comes to you and says to you, we're gonna pay you instead of until age 65, we're gonna give you a check for $24,000, representing two years and you off right. the books. For that, you have to sign a document, a release that says that we are no longer obligated to pay you anything beyond this amount. Mm-hmm. And so people are wondering, should I do it? Should I accept the buyout or not? What are the ramifications? And you know, in every case, the analysis is different because we need to understand what is your age? Is your disability one that you anticipate uh, you know, disabling you from working until age 65 or until the end of the policy date. Uh, you know, so in, in every case, there is that analysis that we have to enter into. What I don't like about this situation is that this person was told you either accept the uh, buyout that we're offering you or we're going to cut you off at a certain date and right. time. And I had corresponded back and forth with this individual. Go ahead. I, the only caveat to that is if the person is approaching age 65 within yes. a few years. And so in that case, legitimately, the insurance company would say, you're not going to get payments beyond that. So let's talk about right. a possible settlement of it. I gather in your email correspondence, this person is not approaching 65? No. Okay. No. And, and that's exactly it. So they're using this as a pressure tactic to force this individual to potentially accept the slumps, uh, uh, some payment, which represents a fraction of what that person would otherwise be entitled to until age 65. Uh, and, and they want them to accept that. And they're threatening them that if they don't accept it, they're going to cut them off essentially prematurely. And it's a good thing that this person reached out and posted that question because, you know, at the end of the day, unless you ask us those questions, you're not going to get those answers and you're going to think you have no options. And the reality is the exact opposite you have a lot more power than you think you do with insurance companies. And oftentimes they are trying to uh, make you think that you have no options. And so in this particular situation, uh, the advice essentially that I I gave this person is, uh, I'll I'll speak with you obviously about your situation, but they are offering you just a fraction of what it is that you could potentially be entitled to until age 65. In my opinion, you should not accept it. There are other cases where you may want to accept it. I mean, I've, I've been corresponding today, actually, with somebody uh, who was also offered a fraction of the amount. But? But this person is so fed up with the insurance company that she said, you know what? I'll accept 10 cents on the dollar just so that I can stop dealing with this insurance company. And that leads me to something that I want people to understand. If you are cut off uh, long-term disability unjustly, or if you are denied long-term disability, once we get into the picture, you are no longer dealing with these adjusters. You're no longer dealing with the insurance company. They cannot communicate with you. 
They have to go through us. And that's extremely important to understand because most of the aggravation and stress that I see people dealing with with long-term disability doesn't have anything to do with their own illness. It has to do with the insurance company who's supposed to be providing the safety net. So make sure you reach out to us if you're in that situation. And if you're offered the buyout, by all means, give us a call. We'll be happy to talk to you and talk to you about your specific case. Short break. We'll get into our uh, emails and our top five mistakes individuals make when dealing with long-term disability insurance. That's all coming up here. one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca. Stick around. Lots more In Your Corner is on the way on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca to reach out to the guys anytime. We will get to the top five mistakes that individuals make when dealing with LTD insurers in just a bit, but you got something else you want to uh, talk about. In fact, bounce over to, uh, to James Savannah. What do you got? Yeah, so uh, I, I got a submission on our website from an individual who's 57 years old. And you know, John, we've talked a lot about excuses that insurance companies give for why they deny long-term disability claims. And this one was interesting. I wanted to get your take on this. So 57-year-old person, uh, under the question, what is the nature of your disability? That person put mental illness, so I don't know the specifics. But under the question of why has the insurance company denied or cut off your long-term disability, what this person wrote is, they say I need to learn how to deal with my illness. Wow. <laughs> nice. Have you have you heard anything? Have you seen anything? like? I've never seen this before. No. And, and, you know, I'll take that with a grain of salt sure. because I want to actually see what the letter from the insurance company says. Oftentimes, you know, people will repeat it and there's a bit of a broken telephone thing that happens. So I do want to see the specific wording behind it. But if it is anything like what this person is suggesting in the form then that's just obviously incredibly obtuse. I mean, I, I don't know what else to even say about that. Any reasonable person hearing that as a, as a justification for denying LTD benefits would be rightly appalled. That's um, just simply not a basis for cutting off benefits. There's really nothing more to say about it. I would be very surprised if this was uh, in, in a letter or email format. I, I suppose it's possible that an adjuster has said that, which, again, made me think of what you always say, which is, uh, whatever you discuss with your adjuster, make sure you confirm it in writing right. immediately after. So if this adjuster, or if this in fact was told to this person by the adjuster handling the LTD claim, I think that person should be emailing back saying, just to confirm this is what you told me. The adjuster, if they're you know semi-smart at least, will probably respond back saying, I did not say that, here's exactly what I said. But if they don't reply back, it's a phenomenal record to have uh, if and when we get involved with this claim, because we're just going to hammer them on this point. Reminder, guys, uh, In Your Corner happens Sundays at 8.30 in the morning on Global TV. You guys are affiliated, you're not employing, but you're affiliated with several uh, consultants, right, who deal with WSIB and STD, right? Yeah, every week uh, we get contacted by people who have issues with workers' compensation, right. uh, CPP disability, uh, ODSP, disability tax credits, and all that kind of stuff. And we do have consultants. They don't work for the firm, but we work in conjunction with them, and we can refer you to them. Just get in touch with me, and I can put you uh, in touch with them. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Let's uh, let's roll on, guys. The top five mistakes individuals make when dealing with long term disability insurers. Number one up, I guess uh, James, this might be for you. Assuming that the adjuster's first priority is you. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> we we talk a lot about adjusters on the show, and yeah. I want to be careful because I don't want to demonize them. They are people, and they have a job to do, and many of them are good people, but they are people that have a job, and so their master is their employer. That is who they are serving. And as we know, insurance companies are corporations. They are businesses, 
and they are in business to make a profit. And they make a profit by taking in premiums and by paying out fewer benefits. That is the objective of the corporation, and that is how adjusters impress their employer, by handing out less benefits and by taking more premiums. So the adjuster's objective is to pay out as little as possible, which means denying claims when they can and cutting off benefits as soon as possible. They may well treat you with respect. They may be courteous and kind to you. Some are, some aren't. But that doesn't mean that you're their first priority. Their first priority is their job in serving their master, the insurance company, whose objective is to cut you off as soon as possible. Get to uh, number two, guys, the top five mistakes individuals make when dealing with LTD disability insurers, and that is assuming that your insurer will take what your doctor says at face value. They, they uh, repeatedly question what uh, the doctors that are treating my clients say. Um, I, I can tell you that at least initially when, when the individuals that I help, um, when, when they apply for long-term disability and they provide medical reports from their treating physicians, be they... Uh, family doctors or specialists, insurance companies, as long as there's some meat on those reports, as long as those reports don't consist of a, you know, a, a napkin that says this person is sick. Yeah, can't come to work. Uh, yeah, th- th- they, they will generally accept what those doctors say. But as time goes on, especially as you get to that two-year mark where the test for continuing with LTD changes, right. they start questioning more and more what your doctors are saying. And sometimes they will write your doctors and seek clarification. Sometimes they'll ask you to sign an authorization, allowing them to speak with your doctor or to get your entire medical file, you know, so that they can comb through it and see if there's anything they can pick out that will help them. So, you know, understand that if at the beginning uh, they accept what your doctor is saying, we oftentimes see them starting to question more and more what, what physicians, uh, not just physicians, but other treating professionals, psychologists, social workers, people who are helping you and have been helping you for years, uh, they start to question them. And, and, and you know, oftentimes what they will do is they will have you seen by one of their doctors or, or one of their medical consultants. Yep. And they will do that so that they can get, hopefully, uh, for them, uh, an opposing opinion, an opinion that disagrees with your doctor, and they can then rely on that opinion to cut you off or deny your claim. So it's very important to understand that while your doctor is there for you and is looking out for your best interest, the insurance company uh, is going to find or try to find ways to either um, poke holes and the you know, poke yeah. holes or or. or uh, figure out how to frustrate your doctor so that your doctor will right. simply uh, not be as helpful to you as otherwise your doctor could be. I'll tell you, I, I find that sometimes that's true. Sometimes they will initially take the doctor, your treating doctor's um, opinions at face value. But oftentimes I find not only is that not true, but it's not true to an absurd extent that they will actually cherry pick very small portions of a report in order to serve their own interests, ignoring what is clearly the overriding opinion of a doctor. I had a case not long ago where it was a a mental health claim, and the doctor ended the report by saying it would be inhumane to make this person go back to work. Now, within the report, he did a you know an overall um, physical uh, report where he indicated that her vital signs were normal and that. You know, she hadn't had a panic attack in, you know, a certain amount of time. Right. Um, but it was very clear if you're reading this report in its entirety that this doctor was saying this person cannot work. Pretty strong And language. making her go back to work is inhumane. inhumane. Like the, yeah. 
there is no other way to read that yeah. opinion. There just isn't. But of course, when it was summarized by the insurance company, the only parts that they took out of that were the parts that supported their view, which were just the generic, you know, blood pressure is okay and yeah. so on and so forth, which really had nothing to do with anything we were talking about. So sometimes not only will they not take your doctor at face value, they will simply just ignore the opinions and cherry pick out pieces of information. We'll get to the top three guys after we take a short break. The top five mistakes that individuals make when dealing with LTD insurers. Uh, in the meantime, one 821 5900 to reach out and help at inyourcorner.ca. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 to reach out, get a hold of the guys, the rest of the team at the firm as well. Help at inyourcorner.ca. Have questions outside of the show you're, you're wondering, go to mydisabilityquestions.com. You can input your, uh, your question there. Good chance it's been asked and answered in depth. If not, leave it there. Savannah's team will get to it very quickly. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Guys, talking about the top five mistakes individuals make when dealing with LTD insurers, number three is this. Assuming that once you are approved for LTD, there's nothing more to be concerned about going forward. Not true. <sighs> not not true. true. So when you apply for long-term disability benefits, if you happen to be approved, the process, and we know this because we get the, the files after the fact, the process goes something like this. It'll be reviewed initially by one of the adjusters, and the adjusters will make note of whatever conditions that you have, symptoms that you have, and reasons why you can't work. And then there will be an assessment on how long you're expected to not be able to work. And based on that, there is a timeline that's put in place that is rarely wavered from. And so if in the initial assessment, the adjuster is of the view for whatever reason that your injuries and impairments will prevent you from working for six months or 18 months or whatever it is, you can bet that when that timeline is winding down, that initial timeline is winding down, your insurance company will already have the wheels in motion to justify cutting you off at that point in time. And you'll see this happening. You'll see it because they're going to start asking you for updated records from your doctor. They're going to start asking you to see one of their one of their doctors for an assessment in certain cases. They're going to send you for a transferable skills analysis to see what other kinds of jobs you can mm -hmm. do if you're around the two-year mark or beyond that. But you can bet that they, the insurance company and the adjuster assigned to your case is always looking at when you can be cut off, when they can justify cutting off your benefits based on the initial information. And only in you know very specific circumstances where there's been a very obvious setback does that timeline ever change. But even then, it will change, but it'll change to a new specified timeline. Right. Right. And when that new timeline winds down, you can bet they're going to be putting the wheels in motion once again to cut you off. It's a business. They want to get you off, off claim, right? They do. They do. Yeah. And, and you know, we have no issue with the concept, uh, you know, that, that they want to make money. Sure. The problem arises when, when we do the analysis and we see that the insurance company is doing something that is simply wrong. Remember, your relationship as an insured and the insurance company, that relationship is governed by a contract. That contract is the policy, the LTD policy. That's why when somebody contacts me and says, can I do this? Can I do that? Can the adjuster do this or that? I say, well, let me have a look at the policy because the right. policy will stipulate what the rights are of the insurance company and what your rights yeah. are. And if they take a position that is contrary to the policy, that is in breach of the policy, well, then they've breached the contract. The, 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 the contract. That means that you have a legal remedy. It means that we can do something about it. And that's something very important to understand. Don't simply 
stand down. Don't simply be afraid of what the insurance company is telling you or saying to you if you feel that your rights under that policy uh, is are, are are you know being trampled on. Because you do you do have power. You have power, and it's a point that we're going to get to at the end of this list here, John. Yeah. Uh, but you know it's very important to understand you do have the power to fight them. I should add, in fairness to the insurance companies and the adjusters, that you know many times the timelines that they set out, if they're based on reasonable medical knowledge, will be correct. Yeah. Many times, you know, a, a particular injury will keep you off work for six months. They'll say that, and that will in fact be the case. And I have no issue with that. But everybody is different. People heal at a different pace, and people often have more than one issue that they're dealing with. And the interplay of multiple issues can have a significant impact on your recovery timeline. And that is often overlooked by adjusters and by insurance companies when they're doing an initial assessment. Usually they will just take a look at the primary diagnosis and they'll create the timeline off of that without really considering how their other conditions and issues, even if they're not in and of themselves sufficient to keep you off of work, how those other issues are going to impact you in terms of getting back to work. That's often ignored. Which is why one of the first questions we often ask is, what are your doctors saying? And do you have any medical reports that tell us how serious your condition is and how long your doctors expect you to be off work? Guys, we'll get to the top two, or I guess number four, number five, depending on how you look at it, the top five mistakes individuals make when dealing with LTD insurers. After a a short break, to reach out, 1-855-821-5900, help at inyourcorner.ca, and on Global TV's uh, Sunday mornings at 8.30, you will catch In Your Corner as well. Right back with the top two and your emails here on In Your Corner, Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900 is the number to reach out, as you probably know. Help at inyourcorner.ca through email as well. Top five mistakes individuals make when dealing with LTD insurers. The uh, the top two right here, number uh, number four, number two, I guess. Assuming that your insurance company, well, they're always right. Yeah, no, No. they want you to think that they're always right. uh, And the reality is that uh, they're not. Uh, That's not to say that they're never right. Uh, clearly, they are in some instances, but you know the point that we're, we're making uh, on each and every show is that you should not take whatever your adjuster says at face value, especially when they're telling you you're going to get cut off because you don't meet the definition of totally disabled, uh, or if they just deny your claim outright. So, no, they are not always right. If they are telling you that they're going to deduct a certain amount of money that's coming in from an income source, if they're telling you that you don't fit the definition of totally disabled, if if they're telling you anything that doesn't make sense to you, ask them to point out where in the LTD policy it says that they can do what they're saying they're going to do. Uh, Because, again, everything is rooted in that LTD policy. Their rights, the rights of the insurance company and your rights as an insured are derived from this contract. And that's what we do. I mean, you know, one of the first things that we do or that we ask people when they contact us is, can we see a copy of your policy? Because we want to see what the provisions in there say. Many of these policies are very similar. They have a lot of very similar terms. Some of them are identical to each other, but there are subtle differences and we want to understand those subtle differences. So again, if insurance companies, if an insurance company is telling you X, don't simply assume that that X is correct and it's rooted in that policy. It's possible that the adjuster is either misinformed or, frankly, it's possible that they are, you know, trying to massage whatever the provisions right. are of the policy. And by the way, that's there's another point there, uh, and, and this is a subtle uh, point of law here. Uh, in some instances, insurance companies take certain positions based on provisions in the policy. And when we look at the policy and we look at those same provisions, 
we interpret those provisions differently. And there is a legal principle in law that says that if you have a provision in a contract and that provision can be interpreted in uh, two or more reasonable ways, and one of those ways is better for you as an individual and not uh, good, let's say, for the insurance company, by law, that provision will get interpreted in favor of the individual. Uh, And that's very important to understand because in quite a few instances, we can argue that ambiguity and I've had a lot of success forcing insurance company uh, insurance companies to pay money that otherwise they said they were not going to pay simply because we focused in, we honed in, we zoomed in on that ambiguity, and where that when 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 the legal claim uh, was was being handled by the um, the defense lawyer for the insurance company, the defense lawyer for the insurance company agreed that in fact we are correct that they would have exposure if this ever went to court. So again, don't take what the insurance company says at face value. Uh, check everything the adjuster says. For those of you scoring at home, the principle Swan was talking about, about the legal ambiguity being interpreted in favor of the individual is contra preferendum, if you really enjoy Latin. You can actually um, Google that and you'll see it on Wikipedia. Indeed. Yep. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, though, is let's think about the insurance company in terms of who is making the decisions on your case. And we're talking about the adjusters here. And, you know, again, I, I don't want to demonize the adjusters, but the adjusters are not lawyers. They do not typically, no, sometimes they do, but typically they do not have formal legal training. And they almost never have formal medical training. Sometimes they'll have quasi-medical training, kinesiology or what have you, but they are not doctors and they are not lawyers. And so not only should you not accept what they have to say from a legal perspective on your case, but you certainly shouldn't be taking what they have to say from a medical perspective. Now, sometimes their view will be informed by the opinion of a doctor. Now, there are reasons why you may, may not want to take that opinion at face value either. But if it's not even based on a medical opinion that the adjuster has, if the adjuster is just taking a look at your file and trying to interpret it themselves, then I would certainly not take that at face value. In fact, the last time I had a mediation, I got a letter from the insurance company. Actually, it said on the letter, please ensure that you review this file with the assistance of a medical doctor as medical information can be complicated. And wouldn't you know that the decision to cut off my client was made by the adjuster without consulting a doctor. I swear to you this is exactly what happened, which made the mediation a little bit more fun for me. But yes, you should not take what they say at face value because the adjusters, again, they, they have an objective. It's to cut you off, and they do not have formal legal or medical training. We are talking the top five mistakes that individuals make when dealing with long-term disability insurers. And the uh, the last one, and you alluded to this in our previous segment, uh, Savannah, is this, assuming that you are powerless against the insurance company. I, I actually want to say that this is, in fact, true up until a certain point. When you're dealing with the insurance company on your own, you really do not have any power. They control the entire process. They can cut you off when they want. They can deny your claim, whether it's justified or not. They can interpret their policy any way that they like to. That continues to be true. You continue to be powerless up and until you take the power out of their hands. And the way that you do that is by starting a legal claim. Once you start the legal claim, you're now on an even playing field. They no longer hold all the cards. So you are able to expose their decision-making process. And any time that they've been unfair, any time that they have been unreasonable, they are no longer going to be able to get away with just doing whatever they want. 
Yeah, you know, John, this actually reminds me of uh, The Matrix. For those of you out there who are old enough to remember this, you can either take the uh, blue pill or the red pill, right? Sure. I mean, you can live within the, the world that the insurance company has dictated for you and told you exists, or you can do what James said, which is to start a legal claim. And by the way, for anybody out there who's, again, a skeptic and thinks that we're saying this simply because it's beneficial to us, go to a different LTD lawyer. I mean, I know it's crazy for me to say that, but just go to a lawyer that specializes, that has expertise in long-term disability claims. That's the whole point here. Don't accept what the insurance company is saying to you. And remember, you have two years, two years to do this from the, from the date you were first denied or cut off your LTD. And again, that's important to emphasize, two years, because not a week goes by that I don't get someone who tells me I was cut off two and a half years ago or three years ago or five years ago. And there is so much money that was left on the table that is owed to these individuals who are clearly still disabled. Thanks, Neil. We'll take a uh, short break. Get very bad to some emails. If you want to send one along, it's uh, very simple. Help at inyourcorner.ca. And the phone number, one 821 5900 This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio. one 821 5900 Help at inyourcorner.ca is the way we roll. You want to reach out, that's how you do it. Global TV show, by the way, In Your Corner, happens Sunday mornings at 8 30. We'll get to uh, to Benjamin. As promised, your email is up, Benjamin, uh, first here. Benjamin writes in, guys, says, my wife has an alcohol addiction and can't work because of that. She gets treatments now, but she's nowhere near ready to go back to work. She applied for long-term disability last year for this and was denied. I thought there was no point in appealing, so we just left it alone. But now I've listened to your show for a few weeks, and I want to talk to you about her case. Her therapist doesn't think that she'll be able to go to work for a very long time. What do you guys think? Okay, so we talk every week about appeals. You love them. (laughs) (laughs) To be very clear, don't appeal. Uh, (laughs) This is something we talk about every single show. The appeal is a waste of time because it is a completely internal process to the insurance company, and they are not likely to change their mind just because you're asking them to please reconsider. However... Even though we're telling you not to appeal, we're not suggesting that you should just let it go and that you shouldn't take action to challenge the decision. The action you should be taking is to start a legal claim. When you do that, you take the power out of the insurance company's hands. And we've been discussing this throughout this entire show already. But don't appeal. The appeal is just going to be a waste of time. So, Benjamin, in your wife's case, yes, we can bring a legal claim. Certainly, um, she's obviously got the support of her therapist, and so that's great. And so there's obviously going to be a basis that we can challenge their decision. And you're right. The appeal would have been a waste of time. So we'll get in touch with you shortly, and we can start the claim from that point. That's an example, though, John, of yep. somebody who's reached out who did not simply uh, accept what the insurance company was uh, was saying, uh, or at least was enlightened by by the information we're giving out on this show. And again, we see this uh, every week. You know, people realize uh, that in fact they have rights. And you know, for listeners out there, this may not apply to you, but it may apply to someone you know, a colleague, a friend, a family member. Make sure people understand and know. And on our website, inyourcorner.ca, you can actually. Uh, listen to past shows and and see our TV shows. So again, we talk about different topics, but all about long-term disability and injury compensation in Ontario and BC. Make sure that you go to that site and, uh, you know, scour the site. It's a lot of information. Donna, email up next, says, My son was attacked outside his home last year and was traumatized by the incident. He worked as a sales executive, making good money, but he hasn't been back to work after this happened. He gets help, but his doctors are not sure when he'll be able to go back to work. 
His long-term disability adjuster keeps asking him to see their psychologist, but every time he goes to see him, he gets worse. It's like the doctor's blaming him for what happened. Does my son have to keep going to their doctor if it's making him worse? Absolutely not. And in fact, one of the things that we, we say on the show is that if you, if you uh, have somebody who's treating you, psychologist, uh, family physician, whoever it is that's helping you, make sure you go to them. I, I really don't like it when, when people go and see treatment providers uh, that have been suggested to them by the insurance company, not because those treatment providers are, are not good or qualified, it's because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a skeptic and, and I'm, I'm very suspicious just generally uh, of, of why insurance companies want you to see the people that they're telling you to see. And in this instance, I don't have enough information, Donna, to understand what's happening with that psychologist. But my advice would be uh, for, for, for your son to see a different psychologist, perhaps somebody that's referred to uh, by uh, your son family doctor uh, or, or somebody that you know. The point is that if this person is making his condition worse, absolutely he should not go see that person. And again, we have to distinguish between treatments and assessments. Right. I'm assuming that because uh, Donna is saying that her son uh, is told that he has to go see this person repeatedly, that it, these are not assessments, these are treatments, but I don't know. If it's an assessment, the insurance company is entitled to send you for, mm-hmm. you know, for an assessment. Yep. They can't send you for you know, a gazillion assessments, but they're entitled to have you assessed by one of their doctors or one of their uh, professionals. But for treatments... You should always go to whoever you trust and whoever is helping you. Um, I, a couple things I want to talk about. This brings up an issue. So if you are being asked to do this and you haven't yet started treatment, what I would suggest is you know you don't want to just say refuse. I'm going to refuse to go get this treatment because the policy is certainly going to have a provision that says that you must be getting reasonable treatment in order to continue receiving benefits. And so if they're suggesting that you need a certain kind of treatment and that they would like you to see this particular uh, person, whether it's a doctor or therapist or what have you, getting the treatment, yeah, you're going to have to do that, but you don't have to see their person, as Savan was saying. So you would look for someone on your own or with the assistance of your family doctor and find someone that you can trust. That's what I would do at the outset. Now, in Donna's case, talking about her son, her son's already started to see a particular therapist recommended by the insurance company. So you want to be a little bit more careful there. You don't want to just say, I'm not going to continue to see this therapist. Savon was mentioning before, you want to make sure that you find someone on your own and then tell the insurance company, I'm not comfortable continuing to see this person because of X, Y, and Z. I've got a referral from my family doctor to go see this other therapist. This is who I'm going to see. Don't ask for permission. If this person is making your condition worse, you don't have to get the insurance company's permission in order to change treatment providers. You can make those decisions on your own or at least in consultation with your family doctor. So get the referral from your family doctor, start the treatment somewhere else, and then tell the insurance company this is what you're doing. There is a person, John, uh, I'm not going to say exactly where, just so that they can be identified, that I have been in touch with for the last few months. And that person is being treated by her family doctor and a psychologist. And she's in a similar situation in that the insurance company asked her to go see uh, a therapist, a a psychologist or or a psychotherapist at a particular clinic. And uh, the people there at the clinic have not been helping her. And, And... you know, I've, I've been guiding her in terms of how to approach the insurance company. And, you know, James is right. You don't want to say I'm refusing treatments. And, and this is one of those instances where you really want to uh, make sure you confirm in writing with the adjuster that you're not refusing outright, uh, that this person or individuals that the insurance company 
is asking you to see is making your condition worse. And if you have a family doctor or someone who's treating you who can back you up, and in fact, in the case of this lady that I'm guiding here, uh, who hasn't been cut off LTD, she's afraid that she will be, so I'm, I'm helping her try to avoid that. Uh, I've actually been in communication with her own doctors mm. uh, explaining how it is that they can help her explain to the insurance company that the individuals that the insurance company is asking her to see is making her condition worse or are making her condition worse. So again, very important to understand. Uh, I have never seen, I don't know about you, James, a policy that says you have to go see or you have to be treated by the individuals that the insurance company is telling you to see. No, I, I've never seen that. And it's frankly, reasonable treatments. That's, what, that's, that's, that's what the obligation is. And frankly, if that were ever in a policy, I think it wouldn't be enforceable because it's not reasonable to insist that a person gets treatment from a specific treatment provider. That treatment provider may just on personality not be a fit with you, and that doesn't mean because you have an insurance policy that you have to see this particular treatment provider. Unless it was a in, an exceedingly rare condition and there was really only one person right. that could treat it, I mean, that might be an exception, but generally speaking, for most types of illnesses, um, you can choose your own provider and there shouldn't be any issue with that. Can you go to your own doctor and say, they want me to go see Dr. X over here. What do you think about this guy or this girl? Can I see him? This is... You could go to your doctor and do that, but I wouldn't recommend it. And it's for all the reasons that Savan was talking about before. It may well be that the doctor the insurance company is suggesting is well qualified, mm-hmm. and they may not even intend to be biased. But if they are getting referrals from an insurance company on a regular or even semi-regular basis, then that is a significant portion of their income that they are receiving as a result of this insurance company. And they well know whether they're conscious of it or if it's just in the back of their mind, in the recesses of their mind way back where, um, that if they do not find that people are able to go back to work on a semi-regular basis, that they're not going to continue to get those referrals. Mm. And that's going to have an impact on their bottom line. There's really no way around that. And even someone with the best of intentions, it's going to be pretty difficult to keep that out of the thought process. We are done for the uh, the day, guys. You want to reach out to James or Savan or a member of the team, you know how to do it by now. one 821 5900 Help it in Other questions can be asked online to mydisabilityquestions.com. And uh, outside of this show, I want to remind you, you can catch the Global TV show In Your Corner Sunday mornings at 8.30. Till next time, this is In Your Corner on Global News Radio.